Welcome back to another episode of CCW Insider, where we talk about the matches and stories from wrestling's last territory. My name is Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database tracking pro wrestling from around the world. On today's episode, I'm bringing you part two of my interview with CCW senior referee Bruce Owens. We're going to kick things off talking about his interactions with Andre the Giant. This is a great interview. The first part was really great. Go back and listen to that now. Uh, or when you're done listening to this one. Uh, but here he is, part two of my interview with Bruce Owens. Yeah, when Andre would come to Florida, well, first of all, like, you know, most people, when they're young, they're going to sit there and buy. I had, like, one fast car and uh, uh, Chevelle 396. But, you know, in wrestling, man, the guys with the big cars are the guys where the main eventers would, would go with in that day, you know? and and. Back then, I was like, man, I'm going to buy the biggest car I can afford. And I had this Dodge Polaro, which was like a, one of those giant police cars, but it was probably bigger. So, you know, when Andre came in, you know, like a lot of the guys, they didn't want because Andre went in, the seat went all the way back. And this is before bucket seats, you know. So the whole seat went back. And if the boys were in the back seat, they got their knees in their chest and, you know, and, and, um, so um, Eddie would always just say, well, what towns can you get with the giant and everything? And then, uh, you know, also when Killer Carl Cox was in, he had a big car. So that would be my break from driving. I'd, I'd pick Andre up in my car, then switch him over to Killer Carl Cox's car because Cox had more money for gas. Yet the Andre always paid me for everything, you know. So I skimped a little on that one, you know. But um, <laughs> Andre was simply a blast, you know. If he liked you, he would call you boss, you know, and you have to understand. And I may have sent you a picture. I thought I will. Um, I was like back then I was like 140 pounds, six foot soaking wet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm with Andre and like I'm going to restaurants like, you know, there's all these knives and forks. I didn't know, man. You know, I, I knew there's a knife, fork and a spoon. Now I'm, right. I'm in this restaurant with two sets of, of, uh, the silverware and all these extra plates and glasses and tablecloths and everything. And, you know, um, Andre was just the time of my life and, and just a sincere human being. I mean, just, you know, as good as they come, but like Andre didn't speak English when I first would, you know, haul him around, you know? So like this goes back to days. And again, you got to remember we're back in the seventies and, and stuff. So go check in a hotel, you know, and ring the bell and stuff. And this is a hotel, like, you know, with a hundred rooms. I'm one a little hotel, and, you know, and Andre didn't understand a thing, you know. So depending if I had a few beers or something first, I'd, I'd go I'd, and I would have to check them in and everything. And that was the paper check in and everything. I'd go up, say, I need a room for this big dumb bastard. I'd smile at him. He'd smile back and they'd look at me like I was nuts. And remember, you know, I'm 140 pounds soaking wet, six foot one, you know, and and um, kind of my worst thing one time was uh, I had a young lady with me and uh, I ended up uh, there was only one king bed and the other were single beds. And since Andre didn't understand English, I took him to his room and I gave him the single beds and I had the, the king bed. Well, I didn't think about it because a few beers later, everything and the night was over. Andre knocked on my door and, you know, I opened the door and Andre saw the king bed, you know, 
and he went a little crazy and i said andre no 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 man they 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 i didn't even have a room i was in my car they gave me the room later when someone checked out you know <laughs> and he always wondered you know every once in a while he would say to me do you have a room or not I said, andre look man they didn't even charge me you know because i went down and told the guy look i'll pay you don't say anything say the room was free you know but uh um, as far as drinking and eating, um, you, you can't believe it. Everything you hear about Andre and what he did. Um, I was with him in Dallas. He had over a hundred beers because that's when they used to ring the cash registers in the airport bar and they'd give you a little paper receipt. And I saved them all and counted them on the airplane. Um, he was going from Dallas to Miami or I mean, back to Tampa, um, food, nothing for him to take. 15 Whoppers, 15 fries, five Cokes, 10 Cokes, um, onion rings. Uh, he'd just say, fill a bag this big. And they would usually just, we'd go to Burger King, say, load up the bags, and we'd go out and pay whatever it would be. Um, but um, unbelievable, like um, what he could eat or drink. Um, he could drink two bottles of vodka, nothing. Um, one time we took him for barbecue and we were in Homestead, Florida for wrestling and he was a battle royal and he had nine bottles of wine. We picked wow. up three more at Publix. He did the battle royal and then he drank the other three back to the uh, commercial <laughs> airport. But he had nine bottles of wine before the battle royal. Wow. But it was like nothing. It just, it yeah. never fazed him. It, it's, I think about a guy that size and like, um, the size of cars and things like that. Did it after you after you bring Andre around for a while? I mean, is there extra maintenance that you're doing on your vehicle? Because like he's such a big guy. You know, it was amazing. It is not really because I had the big cars and they had like that police suspension on yeah. them, you know, for car chases. Um, but I mean, gas mileage. You, you'd notice the differences. You know, back then cars were getting like 12, 12 miles to a gallon and stuff. I mean, it's a whole different time, you know, and uh, sure. fuel efficiency and everything. So, I mean, you could go from 12, 12 to eight or nine with Andre. You know, I, I, I do know, always remember stopping for gas multiple times. Now, um, backing up a little bit, you had mentioned that you had done, you know, how you got into announcing, you just kind of like walked into it after you pulled, picked a hook, dead guy's tie. <laughs> I, I just like it, when you were said that, like, so you, I just can't imagine having no like voice training or anything for that for announcing. And you just kind of got in there and picked your spot and uh, made the best of an opportunity, I guess. Okay. I was this young guy that was shy to talk in front of class, talk to girls, go to uh -huh. bars or anything. But Frank Freeman had told me, he says, nobody knows that you've never done this before unless you tell them. Mm -hmm. And um, now because Frank was always in a good suit, his, his regular business, he had a real estate business. So he was always in a suit and tie. So, you know, the crowds were hot. They'd throw things, mustard, sure. hot dogs, Coke, sodas, beers, everything. I mean, that's when the people walked around selling, you know, the guy carried the tray of sodas and beer and would sell them. So Frank never wanted to get hit with the stuff. And, you know, there's always going to be a couple hot finishes during the night. So I always called the finishes, you know, the announced the finishes, you know, the winner and new heavyweight champ or whatever, whatever it was. So I always did that. 
So really it was only for me to transition to the introduction. Okay. And since everybody had always known me like in Florida, when I first started, you know what I mean? I worked all the way down to Key West and everything like that. Um, it was easy because I knew all these people just, you know, cause sometimes they have kids, I get them in the back, get a picture, get an autograph or something for them. And, you know, so if I went to like Key West or now I'm in Palm beach or, Fort Pierce, Orlando, and this place is like everybody just thought, oh, he, he must be one of their announcers, you know, because remember back then there's no Internet. There's nothing. It's sure. just, he's the ring announcer from Championship Wrestling from Florida. Yeah. You know? And I have my little introduction about and proudly representing the National Wrestling Alliance this evening. I'm your ring announcer. Da, 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 you know, and I went by Bruce Michaels as a as a, a referee and then Bruce Owens as an announcer. And ironically, when I was a ring announcer, I had my hair combed to the side, mm-hmm. and you have to visualize that. And when I was a referee, Bruce Michaels, my hair was parted down the center. <laughs> people, people would say, like, God, you look almost like the guy, you know, that's the ring. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a twin, but it was, I told you earlier, it was a twin sister. Um, but I had Bruce Michaels and Bruce Owens. My real name is Bruce Michael Owens. But I was, you know, my hair was parted different for being a <laughs> And then, you know, when you're wearing referee stripes, you look totally different than you do in a suit. So, you know, I've fooled a lot of people for a long time. And then like some go, oh, my God, I know it was you. And I was like, same person that told me I looked like the guy, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, because I told you, you know, Clark Kent level. uh... Yeah, really. (laughs) I didn't have glasses and I could actually see. Yeah. So the other another another uh, story from from my side i was i was uh i was telling another one of the referees from ccw adrian about how i did some i was doing some research and i i turned on clash of the champions from 1988 miami mayhem and i'm just i'm i'm watching it to just you know to to kind of see what was going on at that time and tony shivani's do, do the uh is doing the commentary uh with bob Cottle and and he says and he says, uh, send it out to our ring announcer, Bruce Owens. And then I like, I like pause the TV and I'm like, is that, and sure enough, it was you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I, do you, do you have any specific memories from that? I mean, that's, oh, that yeah. was a big show. Oh yeah. There's, uh, I give you a couple good ones. Uh, first of all, um, if you ever watched me as a ring announcer on my tapings, um, I always weighed certain guys in at a half pound or three quarter pounds or quarter pound. Yes. A couple on the card to try to make it legitimate. And um, Jim Crockett came up to me uh, and said, you know, that's really neat. And I was like, you know, he was watching the the tape and, um, and I says, what? And he said, uh, the quarter pound, half pound deal. And I says, Oh, I just, I, I just wanted to do it one time and always, figured I'd do, you know, one or two on the card to try to make things look legitimate for the weigh-ins and stuff. And he thought that was the greatest thing ever. And I was like, well, like I'm known for a quarter pound or half pound, you know, but um, <laughs> that was a super day. There's a couple of things. Um, when Luger hits the limousine, uh, yeah. JJ blades him because Luger would never blade. Um, and uh, once I did Luger uh, where he took a post when it was championship pressing from Florida, um, he wouldn't cut himself, so I had to do it. I, I've bladed, you know, uh, a few times myself. And um, 
but Luger was scared to. But I actually made it on that yacht, the Kitty Hawk, I think it was. Yeah, in Palm Beach. I made it on the yacht, you know. And um, it wasn't because I was really invited. Is because somebody flew into Miami instead of West Palm Beach, and they wow. needed a ride. And I says, if I'm going on the Kitty Hawk, you got a ride. You decide. <laughs> and I got it on the Kitty Hawk, you know. Oh, that's awesome. And um, so I did one part where I walked by when I knew they were taping in the back where like my head would be in those windows. So okay. like if it, they edited that, but they didn't use that one because they did a couple of takes, but I thought that would be cool to see me going by and the, you know, sure. cause I just kind of gave a glance and, you know, but I never stopped, just kept on walking. But yeah, that was, that was, man, uh, when you're a kid from Hialeah growing up and you end up on a yacht like that, that's big time. With, with Ric Flair. Oh, <laughs> Flair Jay, Arn, everybody. Yeah. And, you know, that's who you just saw on the tape, but uh, two thirds of the that card was on that boat or yacht. Okay. So I yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That, that's it's incredible. Uh, I guess when I, you know, and here we are, I'm like fast forward and now like many, many years, I guess, but let's talk about CCW. And um, how did you, uh, I guess, I mean, you started back in the 70s, you carried into the 80s. CCW starts. Um, CCW just had their 18th anniversary, so they started in the 2000s. How did you get involved with CCW? Okay, um, I've always, I've never stopped working. You know, mm -hmm. um, probably the longest time I didn't work would maybe be three-week period or something, four-week period, you know, when, when the territories closed, involved the Indies start and everything. So always work, but like in the days when, um, you know, um, the big wrestling, I used to sneak guys in, you know, Gangrel, Bruno, these different guys. I sneak these kids in. They were kids. Okay. They'd all be in the back and everything. And I would say, like, you know, grab grab my bag or grab this. Or, you know, as the announcer, grab the garment bag. And just walk fast and stay with me like you belong. As soon as we get near that curtain, give me the bag and, and step out. Go sit in this. Go up to the cheap seats and stay there and don't move because otherwise they're going to throw you out, you know. And, um, you know, so that's how I knew a lot of them, you know, and they start their own company and, Hey, can you work? Hey man, I'm, I'm local, sure. I'd be glad to, you know? And, um, I just never burn any bridges, uh, showed up earlier on time. Um, you know, um, back in the Florida days, I had a pilot that had a Cessna. He wanted hours. All I had to pay for the fuels, fuel on the plane. So I had an airplane to go to different towns where I could fly in, fly out, be home at night by midnight and still go to jobs and everything in the daytime. And it just never ended. I, I would have never, you know, I was satisfied. Like when I got in the business, um, obviously I'm thinking it's going to last forever. But when I seen the territory starting to die and everything and Eddie Graham always told me, Bruce, don't go in this full time because he says work four or five days a week or something. Don't go seven days even though there's times i did do seven days with two tv uh, with tv and a double shot nine times a week sometimes we did nine times a week um but he says don't give up aviation because you know eddie was a pilot plus he knew i was making decent money and he, he knew that you know eddie had the vision i i was living off of the dream and the stardom eddie was living off of reality for me and he always looked down for me just like mike graham did and Hiro Matsuda and Duke, uh, Buddy Colt, that owned the promotion. 
um, Briscoe's that had a piece of it too. Um, I was just lucky. And, you know, I got like 10 years, then like 11, 12, and then, then it's like 20 and then 21, 22 and 25 and 30 and 31. And I have no idea how it went. I, I cannot explain because like, um, I saw flair, we did a comic con thing and they did the cosplay wrestling and everything. And flair was there and we bumped into each other in the Marriott and he, I was walking through, I never saw him and he just yelled Bruce. And he's like, what are you doing here? Are you doing aviation? And I said, no, I'm refereeing. He's like, Oh my God, you know, and you know, so a couple of years ago, so I was probably at about 46 or something, 46 years. And, you know, um, I'm 67, still trying to stay healthy. I got some herniated disc and I get that laser treatment every six months that, you know, tricks my brain into not feeling the pain till the nerves regenerate. And, you know, I, I want to get 50, I don't know beyond 50, uh, but, um, I'm just having fun as, you know, a lot of people have friends that they're like at my age, they're older, six, seven, they're older, they're dying. I got a lot of friends in the wrestling business that, you know, I see a lot, but then there's like, you know, a good 10 to 15 that I stay in touch in their personal life and everything. And they're younger. And, you know, so I'm surrounded by mostly young people. And, um, my wife is 48. So, um, I don't have these, um, people on Geritol hanging around my house and everything, you know, and, um, surrounded with people that, you know, are, um, pretty much, you know, thirties, forties and 50, you know, and, you know, so I've just been real lucky, you know, you know, the, it, it, we talk about it talking with you, we're talking a lot about the territory days and into the NWA and stuff and CCW calls themselves the last territory. And I think it's interesting because, you know, most Indies nowadays, they're going to run. And, and there's nothing wrong with this, but they run, you know, maybe once a month or once every, you know, once every couple of weeks, CCW is running every weekend, almost mul multiple shows per weekend. And I, I wondered about your perspective about why CCW, you think, after, you know, all, using all the experience that you, that you've had all, over these years, why do you think the CCW is able to maintain a schedule like that? And they still have the fans that continue to come back. I think it's a couple of things is, um, the buildings are good buildings. Um, God, I can't even remember last time I did an outdoor show, but I, I think what's happened is they built year over year. Um, there's credibility and there's honesty. And when I say honesty, I want to point that is, is this direction. Um, when we rent a building, we pay the building. And if something accidentally got damaged, we pay for it. And, um, we leave the building the way we got it and the people have to clean up the building, do minimal work. Um, that allows you to go back time and time again, or go to that same building who for some reason, maybe, you know, it's owned by a city or a school and they say, Hey, we're not doing these type of events or we've got this booked for the next six months. And you say, well, I need a letter of referral. Um, you know, and they'll write that letter gladly that, Hey, you know, you're a good, good tenant for the evening. You clean up, you, you don't damage things and you respect everything. Um, but the credibility thing comes over year over year. The product is good because you can do all the other things. If the product's not good, it, it's not, uh, we don't put people in the ring that aren't safe and that can really perform because in the, the day you're supposed to go see professional wrestling. That's why there's a school until you're ready. You stay in the school. 
if I put a bunch of students in there that can't wrestle, and the exception is sometimes we do the battle royal, and the battle royal is not like in the old days where it was the last match or you know or the semi-main event to a um, the only thing would be in place with a lights out non-sanctioned match in the old right. NWA days. But you'll see some of the students um, that are pretty close to being ready to go on their own uh, with the veterans and in a battle royal. Uh, but it's the first match. So it gives them some exposure. Let them feel the crowd because you can literally, if you've done this, you'll be in the ring. You can feel the pulse of the crowd when you're in there and stuff. And obviously it's a lot different when there's either a tag team or two guys in the ring with the referee. But um, that's what it is. You get a decent product. And when you buy a ticket, you get your money's worth and more. Um, you know, I've been invited to go to some shows. I've, you know, never had to buy a ticket. And But, you know, I go and like, Sometimes, you know, they ask me, what do you think? I said, you know, I always think that, you know, no matter what, everybody can do better. That, that's always, don't ever think you've gotten there. But um, some places just have too far to go or um, they've never built the consistency of, you know, it could be th- running every two weeks. Then it's running every three weeks. Then there's a, a two or three month, nothing happening. Then we come back again. And, and that comes down to running. It, it's all it comes down to money. You have to have the money to run the business. And for us to do all these shows, there's that, there's the money that's backing it. So, I mean, without the money to go ahead and rent two, three buildings on a weekend, um, you're not going to do this. Um, consistency um, is another thing. Um, you, you won't go to a CCW show and say, oh, it was, that, that was just terrible. I'm never going back. Um, and the talent's there. And... Um, I, I really believe that the product you see and you know that they're putting it, it's on TV and several networks. Um, you don't put your stuff on TV if it isn't TV ready. Right. And they are on a, you know, lower scale. We're not a W or WWE. We're, we're a promotion within the state that travels out of the state to different cities. And we do the same thing, whether we're in Nashville um, or in the state of Florida. Um, Nashville's a great town. I've been up there several times refereeing. Um, but again, you got to please those people. Um, whoever gives you their money, if you don't give them their money's more worth than a little bit more, they're not going to come back. You know, it isn't like we're feeding you come and we'll feed you and, you know, you'll, and, um, you'll show up and just watch the matches, you know, um, you know, you've got to earn their trust and you got to bring them in with talent. Yeah. And I think that's one thing when you, you know, you said when you leave, when you leave CCW show, I always think that you're leaving and you're like, I wish, I wish there was one more match or, or I can't wait to come back to the next show. Like that's, that's how you leave a CCW uh, event, right? It's like you, you leave wanting a little bit more. And I, and I think that for me, I think that's one of the reasons why I I continue to go back each and every uh, month or whenever I can get to (laughs) get to a show. So, yeah. Uh, uh, something real quick I just thought of. You talked about the last territory. And um, this is just a little trivia for way back in um, um, Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham came to start the territory, bought it from Cowboy Lustral. But his plans were to come in and eventually invest. And he was one of the main events in Madison Square Garden. Um, and when he came to Florida, but the reason that he actually invested in this, and J.J. Dillon never knew this, and like I said, um, I saw him a couple years ago and we hadn't seen each other for 35 years as Eddie had told me was 
Um, and you talk about the territories, you know, we, in the old days, we never invaded each other's territory. Mm -hmm. It's like the Godfathers and you just, we swapped talent, but you would never run a show in another person's territory. Well, Florida was surrounded by water on three sides. And the only thing Eddie ever had to worry about was the North. And that was Jim Barnett and Gunkel and, and Paul Jones that had that. And he had a business relationship with them. And that's why Eddie invested his money in Florida that he could only be invaded by the North and he had that border covered. That's, so, that's interesting. So it's, uh, it's, his territory was protected. You always, you know, yeah, you always hear about that, especially when you study the, um, when you study sort of, uh, Vince McMahon and national expansion, you, you hear a lot about how he was doing things like that, going invading territories. And that was kind of unheard of up until that point. It's so interesting that it was a natural barrier that saved Florida <laughs> for so long. And at the same time, when you think of Florida now, you know, um, Neilio and Dan have the same concept. I mean, we know who's in business in Florida and there's, there's other good companies um, for sure. And there's talent and, you know, it's some people, you know, they're not going to travel four hours and stuff. So, you know, we expand as we go north. We draw some of some of the fans from, you know, that have gone to other promotions. Sometimes they'll find ours better or as good. And there are a lot of other good promotions out there. But you really think about it. Nelio's got nothing from the west, east or south to chase them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bruce, 40, 49 years in the business, right, at this point. So I think you said earlier, you know, your goal you know, definitely want to hit 50. Is there anything you haven't done that you want, that you want to do uh, before, before you unable to do it anymore? I mean, if 40, 50 years in the business, I think it's unheard of. I don't think Flair was probably jealous when he passed you in the hallway. Uh, I just know he, he told me, he says how many, and I was ahead of him. So he, he got a chuckle out of it. Um, you know, I, 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 I guess some of the rewarding thing is, um, you know, cause in, Trust me, I'm smart enough to know there's some matches out there that get these fatal four ways and different things going. I always make sure somebody's younger in there and stuff. Trust me, I know I'm banged up. I'm not as fast, you know, and, and I would never take away from a match because of, you know, my bad back and, and uh, stuff. Because I have five herniated discs. And years ago, um, I had broken my neck and never knew it. I found that on MRI a few years ago. Um, that was from, I took a bump from... Uh, the road wars and, and I hit my neck on the bottom ring rope. And, um, you know, I would never want to slow anything down, but, um, I would just want to continue. Like if I get to the point where I don't refer anymore, um, I still would want to be involved because, you know, um, this, the future is for the younger people without a doubt, you know, and, um, I see things that are wrong when, you know, they're, they're in school, they're learning, you know? So you always want to be able to tell them that, Hey, there's this, or like a referee, take the horseshoe effect of the ring. You know, you take half the ring in a horseshoe, you stay there. And when you move forward, you don't turn around, you back up and make sure you're not in front of the roaming cam and don't turn your ass to the hard camera and stuff, you know, um, because there's, there's a lot of good referees out there for our company and others. And I would want to know that um, our guys, you know, if they were really committed to it, they got some of the opportunity I got when I was younger for, you know, I, I was able to work for WWF, AWA, uh, the NWA and um, Savoli's company. I can't remember the name and 
one other that was significant back then. And I, I made it to Texas as well. Um, but I would want someone else to get that opportunity. But just like Al, I had to earn it. Um, they should. It shouldn't just be, hey, I went to school, I got this, and that's it. Because there's, you need to be able to carry yourself uh, from the minute you walk in that building, um, know when to put your suitcase down and walk over and greet everybody, then carry your suitcase to the locker room. Um, you know, you better wipe your feet in the ring. Um, I'll never recommend you if you can't remember to wipe your feet going in the ring. And, um, you know, work for it. And I would love to know that all those people had their dreams come true. But the reality is, like anything, not everybody will. Sure. And not everybody will make the commitment. And, and you know, um, it is what it is. But there is not room for everybody. So that's the reason it's better that no, not everybody makes it. But I would always just want to make sure whatever I did uh, transitioned and other people got the same opportunities. Now, before, uh, I guess before I let you go here, I've kept you for a long time. I've oh, it's great. I love it. And we got to hook up outside of this and, and for sure. Absolutely. Um, is there any advice you'd give to somebody who's trying to get into the business these days? Like I said, like we said at the beginning, totally different business than when you got into it, but is there yeah. any advice you'd give to somebody who's trying to get in now? Gosh, first of all, have a bio a resume that, that is meaningful and list good companies. You're better off listing, uh, less companies, more good companies and less companies on your resume, make it meaningful, make it truthful because social media will catch you in a minute. You know, you say, I worked here 10 years, they'll go back and see that, you know, you posted your first match or they'll go to the company's website. Um, man, appearance is everything when you're trying, you know, if you get a break to go ADW, NWA or any place, man, you know, First of all, be early. If they say be there at four o'clock, be there between three and three thirty. Um, you know, when you're done, you know, um, I don't carry the ring boards anymore because of my back, but you know, I always grab the garbage can, I clean up the dresser. You know, um, do something that gets noticed um, and participate with everybody. But um, that would be it. And you know, you own two things you own your body and what you're wearing. And the last thing is, you know, don't get an AEW tryout, have a suitcase that looks like it's 15 years old when you can go to Marshalls, Ross, TJ Maxx, Target, anywhere and spend $40 and get a suitcase. But you know what, you know, you talk to QT Marshall and he'll tell you everybody does, does that stupid stuff. You know, people just continue to do it. So they have the talent, they have the ability and they ruin it for certain things like that. And if you are a guy and you're going to either a class or a tryout, bring a fountain pen and a paper with you because you should be taking notes. And there's going to be, you know, five people with notepads and 15 people without them, you know, and it's your chance to stand out. So just do the right thing. Well, that's our show for this week. And I want to say thank you once again to Mr. Bruce Owens, the CCW senior official. He told us stories about Andre the Giant, why he thinks CCW is doing so well, and I just can't thank him enough. Great stories. Two episodes of CCW Insider from Mr. Bruce Owens. So as always, check out a live wrestling every Tuesday on the CCW YouTube channel. 
Follow us on social media. I'm Minutes to Bell Time on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also follow Coastal Championship Wrestling on those platforms as well. We're going to see you next week. But before we get out of here, I'm going to have Bruce send us home. Hey, as Gordon Sully would say, so long from the Sunshine State. You have been watching CCW Insider, produced by Minutes to Bell Time in association with Coastal Championship Wrestling.